A quick stat for you today. If women were paid the same amount as men, did you know that we could reduce poverty by 50%? That is crazy. That and more is coming up in episode 83. Welcome to the Her Money Matters podcast, the preferred podcast by many women across the globe to help you take control of your finances. Join me, Jen Hempel, a motivational money coach and your host each week as I share with you practical, simple money insights and real life stories by women like you. Let's do it. Hello, hello. This is the first episode of 2017. Happy New Year to you. And a question for you. Are you ready for 2017? I know if you're listening to this podcast that your personal finances are extremely important to you. Am I right? So this is the time of the year that we feel motivated, that our slate feels clean, that we feel like we can conquer the world And that this is the year that no kidding, you're going to pay off that debt or get your emergency fund fully done, or you'll increase your retirement savings, et cetera, et cetera. So my question to you is, do you have a plan for this? And be honest with yourself. Are you going to be disciplined and consistent with your actions that you need to take to make this happen? So Remember, I am here to help you, and if you want me to help you, I'd be honored. There are different ways I can help you depending on your budget and needs, and if you're committed and ready, please go ahead and go and fill out a quick form at jenhempill.com forward slash ready. It will be there in the show notes, this link, and after that, just be sure to send me a quick email to jen at jenhempill.com, just letting me know that you filled it out because I don't get an automatic alert once you fill out the form. So welcome and thank you so much for being here. This week is Women's Money Week officially. So we'll get to learn about that today. And we have the honor to chat with the women behind the scenes. Her name is Gina Robinson Billups. So in today's episode, you're going to learn the lessons she learned from being raised by a single mom. We're also going to learn some mind-boggling stats about women and money and why they matter, and how the nonprofit Women's Money was born, and why Women's Money Week can be so impactful. So let me share a little bit about Gina Robinson Billups. She is a founder and creator of Women's Money, which is a 501c3 public charitable organization that helps women and girls move themselves from financial fragility to financial resiliency. Gina is also an author and has the distinction of being the first Nevada woman appointed as a member of the National Women's Business Council. So let's not delay. Let's get to talking to Gina. Welcome, Gina Robinson Billups, to the Her Money Matters podcast. I'm excited to have you here and talk to you today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited too. It's a great show, a great thing you're doing. 
Oh, thank you so much. Well, you're up to great things too uh, as you run Women's Money, a nonprofit organization. But I wanted to start off with getting to know you, how you grew up around money and literally just your money story. So if you could share with us a little bit about that. Yeah, it's funny because I'm usually asking women in our program to do their money story. Not too many people ask me to talk about my money story anymore. <laughs> Let's see. You know, I was the daughter, oldest daughter of a a teen mom, an accidental teen mom in that she was married at 18, had me at 18, and then she became single at 19 when my father passed away. So she had given up her dreams. You know, that was the era to get married and have children. Why do you need to go to college? You know, those were the messages she got from society and from family. And all well-meaning, but not exactly what we are today, whereas, you know, the messages we give our daughters are, a man is not a plan, be self-sufficient. You know, it's a totally different era of messaging. So when it came to money, I was really aware from a very early age about the struggles that uh, especially single working moms have, uh, single moms that really don't have anything more than a high school education and the amount of work it takes just to get by. It just created an interesting dynamic for me, sometimes where I don't feel because there's so much pressure about money, how to you know, pay the rent and you know, there's just so, so much you can make that I, um, I often, my money story is that I'll put myself last. I will sacrifice everything and not pay myself for things, you know, like I do everything wrong. (laughs) I feel guilty if I get gifts. It's just an interesting kind of dynamic. And and when you're a kid, you know, all of those messages, we receive them so early. So, yeah, I learned that also from the state at the same time that working hard doesn't always get you what you need to. you got to work smart. Sometimes you've got to blaze your own path when people are telling you, no, you can't do it. No, you can't do it because you're a woman. No, you can't do it because you're too young. My mom heard that. I heard that, you know, in her presence a lot. And I'm just amazed at the things she accomplished with absolutely no financial education from anybody. Um, And yet... Prior to women being able to have credit in their own name, she was able to buy her own home. Wow. Um, And she's like, I don't know how I did it. I don't remember that. And I'm like, how did you do that? (laughs) Um, And uh, so, you know, uh, it's just amazing when people have the, the drive and the will to attain something, how nothing can stop them. And so I've kind of got a little bit of both, right? Like, sacrifice. Um, but when the, when the desire is strong and the need is strong, um, don't listen to people who say, well, you can't get that done. That's not possible. Right. So, um, so yeah. And there've been a lot of money mistakes because I'm the first one in my family who decided to do something about the money situation. Right. My mom was always saying, Oh, I wish I knew about the stock market, but I just don't get it. Or that's for other people who have money. Or, you know, investing is for other people who have money, not us. Because <laughs> we were pretty poor sometimes. But I ended up being the, 
the person that teaches my family about money. And to be honest, I don't think I know anything about money. I've learned most of what I know about money from from necessity, that whole thing again, because I wasn't getting the money messages I need, and nobody in my circle really was either. So anyway, I hope that answers the question. No, that did. That did. Now, when in that, your mom, your mom obviously did amazing. So did she ever talk to you about, I mean, I know you meant you mentioned you heard some reoccurring messages, but did she like ever sit down and maybe talk to you about money, at least at the things that she knew or, or lessons that maybe she learned those type of things at that? Did you have that? You know, the only real thing I remember about money is there was always a goal to attain. And then that's when the money conversation came up. So my mom worked a lot. And so she really valued her time with us, my sister and I. So we would go on a lot of little mini vacations, either a weekend or, or sometimes a bigger vacation. So we'd always save for that bigger thing or save for Christmas. And that's the only time money came up, believe it or not. And when there was a goal, like we want to go on a trip to California to see our grandparents or something, my mother would end up having to work uh, two shifts as a cocktail waitress, sometimes for weeks. Or when she had the goal to get out of that regular day job situation, she saved, she worked doubles, and then she ended up starting her own business for a little while. So then that was the equivalent uh, of like two and a half shifts a day. So she was a really hard worker. I mean, an amazingly hard worker. But that's really the only mes- money message, we, any money communication we really have. There was no talk about budget. There was no talk about long-term savings, no talk about investing. Um, there was none of that kind of communication. She didn't even really know how to get that information. But what she did know was how to attain a goal. So she was very goal-driven and knew what she needed to do to do that. And she took that action, which which is awesome. So I think that's a huge lesson that she taught y'all, which is great. Now, tell us a little bit about, so let's fast forward a little bit. And how did women's money how was it born? How did it come to be? Was it an influence of some things that, that you experienced growing up? Was it your childhood? Was it something else? Why did you decide to create this nonprofit organization? Uh, well, it really was an accidental find, uh, sort of like everything I do. So I used to work for the National Association for Moms and Business. It eventually became the voice for the 15 million entrepreneur and executive moms in the nation. And I had a lot of great experiences through that work. And one of the experiences early on in the organization was working with the Department of Labor Women's Bureau. And we were contracted to do a financial education conference in Southern Nevada. So it was great. You know, we had 200 plus women, great breakout sessions, speakers, books, all in all, a very, very successful conference on the outside. But as I watched the women walk out of the room, big smiles on their faces, they felt their time there was very valuable and rewarding. But I looked and I realized at that moment that I had given them a small amount of information 
but a huge amount of hope and nothing to bridge the gap. And all of a sudden, I could just envision the future of these women where, you know, the resources they were given sort of just get stuck in the drawer or the file cabinet and then make it to the recycling bin. Where was the accountability? Where was the support system to help them through the tough times? Um, where were the action steps? I said to the Women's Bureau, I love the financial education thing. I see why it's so important, but we can't keep doing what everyone else is doing. It doesn't work. If you want sustainable, long-lasting impact, we need to figure out a different way. And they agreed, but they were in their region. It wasn't the National Women's Bureau office. And the next year, they they diverted their funding and their focus to another topic. And so financial education sort of became something I kept looking at on the side and researching and developing. And one of the things that I found was that if women were paid the same as men, we could reduce poverty in America by 50%. And I was just like, oh, wow, you know, we need to do something about that. And then at the same time, like you said, I just had this conference and So all this stuff was roaming in my head and all these numbers. And I thought, well, you know, I have a network of women. I'd like to write a book and help women find a path to a million dollars or more in personal net worth. Let's try that. That would be a fun book, right? And, you know, like Oprah at the time was giving me advice of find someone who's done what you want to do and follow in their footsteps. And I thought, well, great. We'll just get a bunch of women find out how they made a million dollars in personal net worth and, and just really discover all the pathways to get there and open up possibilities for women. So I started with my own network. I picked 20 women I knew that were that had a million dollars or more in annual business revenue and had a million dollars or more in personal net worth. And what I found in those interviews was astonishing. Three out of the 20 women I first interviewed did not pay themselves yet. They had millions of dollars in annual revenue, but they kept putting it in the business, marketing, more staff, something else, but they weren't putting it into their own pocket. That's not how they needed to make a living, so they didn't worry about it. And so that was astonishing. And even today, when I talk about the story, uh, if I'm in a group, I can tell you which entrepreneurs in the group don't pay themselves yet. <laughs> that, that story always resonates with someone in a room like, oh my God, she caught me. <laughs> exactly. No, and it's not surprising because we as women just put ourselves selves last. And that's just kind of like the, our nurturing part. We take care of others. So in the instance of business, we take care of the business, take care of anything that's related to the business and we leave ourselves last, right? So definitely not surprising. Yeah, and what was horrible is that that action validates it for other women. And I was one of those women, too, uh, that wasn't quite getting paid yet. So I was like, oh, well, at first it was like, this validates, you know, that here they're successful. I'll get there someday. But really, don't do it. (laughs) Everyone listening, don't do it. Don't let that bad behavior validate your bad behavior. Um, (laughs) It's a destructive cycle. Uh, because each one of those people is out of business now. But moving on with the other interviews, what I found is that 16 out of the 20 that I interviewed did not know how 
to create a path to financial resiliency and their financial network. They had someone else doing it, and they really didn't know a lot about their personal finances. They knew a lot about their business because that's what they were immersed in day in and day out, but they didn't know a lot about it. In fact, when we really dissected their net worth, it was all tied up in their business and their home. So come a few years later in 2008, when a lot of people lost everything they had, so did these women because they didn't have a true personal net worth of a million dollars or more. It was all wrapped up in their business. And I looked at this and I thought, well, you know, we were one of those organizations helping women build their businesses to a million dollars or more. But I could see that it didn't really make a difference in their personal life. They weren't taking care of themselves personally. And here this statistic about if women were paid the same as men, we could reduce poverty by 50%. It just occurred to me and I made that connection where I realized, no, if we still have the same money behaviors and we don't change that, we could reduce poverty you know, tomorrow, overnight, by paying women what they're worth. But in a year or two, we'll be at the same poverty lifestyle because we haven't changed our, our money habits. We right. haven't changed our perspective on money. So the wage gap is, is like a small portion of, of the gaps we need to address. That's just one of the five gaps. That's not the gap that will solve all of our problems. And so, um, so that kind of, you know, really hooked me. And then I got sick, which was a, a challenge and a gift at the same time, because I got a lot of time to research women's money and find out that I wasn't alone in the money thing, that 84% of women say they're, they don't understand the financial messages coming to them. And they're really like paralyzed to take action because they don't feel they are getting the information they need to move forward. So I was just hooked and started to figure out how to build a program that um, includes accountability and a support system and a way to measure their results and help them keep going on their money path. I love that. And one thing that before we jump into today's content, keep your ears peeled for a unique reveal I'll be sharing midway through the show. It's something special just for you. You talked about is financial resiliency, and I think across the board, whether you're an entrepreneur, whether uh, you are working a corporate world, we always think we t- in general. Of course, this is just a general statement. We tend to think with more money, we solve our problems, but with financial resiliency, you mentioned the habits. You mentioned there's so much more that just having that extra money is not going to solve the problem. So I love that you talked about that because it's just so very important. We th- we tend to think that a lot. And then once we have the more money, we're still stuck in the same spot. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm always telling people the level of our debt rises to meet the level of our income if we don't know what we're doing. Right, right. Because you know, you have to be conscious because our spending will just, I think there's just some little trigger, like a flip of a switch in our brain that's like, woohoo, I have more money, shopping free, let's go. <laughs> no, absolutely. And I think we forget, you know, we focus on like the making of the more money because that's what's going to solve our problems. And then we forget to think about what we want, in my opinion, and I've mentioned this in other episodes, is that 
we tend to get robotic into doing what we're told we're supposed to do, save more, spend less, get out of debt. But then we forget to really think beyond that as to why that, what that means for us. And for me, that's what motivates uh, people to keep moving forward is to really understanding what's that going to do for them and make it meaningful for them, for them to move forward. So I love that you talked about that. So now with women's money, you mentioned you've created programs for accountability, has support, and you involve also measuring those results. So tell us a little bit about the programs, like who can attend, where, you know, do you have to be in Nevada, like those type of things? No, our headquarters is in Nevada, but we're a national organization. So we have a mentoring program and we have um, what we call our life level matching program that makes it a very unique program in the country. So anytime you go to a women's money event, whether it be a conference or a workshop, we determine life level and we bring women together according to their life level because it's really important to create the bond of relevancy where the, the money message is relevant to your life and the support team you have is relevant to where you're at in life. And for instance, let's say the national conference, if you were to attend a national conference, Normally at a conference, you would just sit, you know, with the company-sponsored table or someplace near the stage or the bathroom or wherever you want to sit. But at a Women's Money Conference, we encourage people to sit at the tables we've allotted for their life level. I and love that. Reason, yeah. And the reason for this is, is really, really important, but really simple at the same time, is that, you know, for example, if you have an entrepreneur who's making a quarter of a million dollars a year, uh, over 55, two kids in college, and she's sitting at the same table with a 19-year-old single mom of two making minimum wage, right? Their financial needs are really different, and where they're at in their life levels are really different. And they can only provide a limited amount of understanding and support for each other. And the money messages for that group or for each of them, have to be delivered in a different way. Absolutely. Because they're at a different life level, right? And when you bring women together, you know, or anybody together, when you're talking about money, it's a highly charged issue. You have to build trust and support. And let's say the woman making a quarter of a million dollars says, I'm going broke. I'm losing my Mercedes. I'm losing two of my three homes, you know. The 19-year-old single mom is going... I'm tra- I got $25 in the bank. Are you kidding me? <laughs> what, right? So all of a sudden, then what happens? Animosity can form, somebody feeling less than, somebody feeling guilt, shame, all communication, all openness, all safety completely stop. And so the Life Level Matching Program is probably our keystone to success in our program and what makes it so unique because women have to support other women and it starts in feeling safe and being able to trust the women you're with. And it could be only for four hours at a women's money conference, but we have heard that, you know, the women that connect at some of our events have become lifelong friends and they still meet in groups today, four or five years later. And they've said to me, these these four women, these six women, I can tell them anything. This is my safe place. Oh, that's and so that awesome. Is, isn't it? Oh, I love that. 
Because <laughs> that's what it was designed to do. And I'm happy to say it's working. And then we also, in our education part of our program, we start with emotions and money. And then we ramp it up and sort of, you know, ratchet it up a little tighter, a little tighter. So we have a systematic approach to how we deliver the money messages so that they're acceptable. Like the brain can only take so much. And so you got to start in one place and then you just sort of like a flower, open it up and open it up to the possibility. And when we started, we had actually started with uh, the state treasurer's office and they wanted to do a college savings conference and, you know, bring out the message to college savings. I said, well, that's great. College savings is important. But if you have, or if you're trying to figure out how to get enough money for gas to get to work the rest of the week, college savings is a pipe dream. So you can't just go out the gate and say, you need to put your kids in college. They're not going to hear you. And that's all about the money messages being relevant to where a woman's at in life. Absolutely. Um, and so we've got to work with her so that she can get herself to be open to the message of college savings and realize, oh, now in my life, that is a possibility. I can expand to having a new, greater goal. So we're very much a systematic approach in how we mentor the women. So we do uh, phone mentoring, online mentoring, group mentoring, class mentoring, and then we also have a conference as well. And we're, we're nationwide with our mentoring programs. And then we also have our National Women's Money Week, which is always now. It's always January 1st through 7th. Love it. Yeah. So let's talk about Women's Money Week. So why did you decide on Women's Money Week? uh, And what does it entail for that week that's happening this week? Well, I wish I I could take credit for it. (laughs) Um, But um, at the same time I was starting Women's Money, another woman was starting Women's Money Week. So we were kind of going on these paths simultaneously. And Last year in 20, early 2016, she ended up donating Women's Money Week to our organization. So our first year in handling Women's Money Week was in March of 2016. And I was really glad because it's a great program. And it's important, I think, to get women and men and our legislators and our communities to understand the importance of women and money. We're the number one consumer when it comes to electronics, banking, uh, cars, homes. We make the financial decisions. But, you know, I just said, like, we're not getting the money messages we need. So it's kind of crazy to think that the number one spender and manager of money is not getting the money messages to make the choices she feels comfortable with, right? So the National Women's Money Week is sort of a two-part campaign. It's to help women get money messages and to connect with each other and their community to get the resources and the information they need to make financial choices to reshape their future. But it's also an awareness campaign to get companies and to get our legislators to start thinking differently, to start thinking about, huh, you know, what would happen if we paid women what they were worth? What would happen if we had special financial education programs for women? What would happen if we 
put more money into education for girls. What's the impact of focusing on women and finances? What would happen to our society? And Or even just showing some support. And sometimes people think, well, this isn't really relevant to today because we're all equal, right? And we are equal in a lot of ways, but we can identify more ways where we need to help support women, just like we did in 1974 with the Credit Card Act. I forgot the name of it. I'm sorry. And making legislation that helps financial accessibility, financial resiliency be easier for women and their families. And this is really important for men too, I have to say. It's not just about women and girls. In today's society, a lot of women are the chief breadwinners. In fact, about 66% of women are household breadwinners. And yet in America, one out of three women is living in or on the brink of poverty. And that's not just her, that's her husband and her children. So we need to address these issues and see as a community, as a nation, how we can change these numbers so that it isn't 30% of women living in or on the brink of poverty, right? That, that's just ridiculous in right. America. Right. Agree. <laughs> yeah. Agree. So, yeah. And I love this mission because it's a big mission. And I know you mentioned Women's Money Week. You started last year. So it might be too early to tell, but have you seen some impact or some wins from the last year uh, yet? Or, or may, like I said, it might just be early to tell because I know you have the mission yeah. of like the legislation, you know, to get people more aware and companies and legislators. And have you seen some of that? Or I'm just curious. That's a great question. And um, I've been so busy, I'm not sure I've really asked. <laughs> but, um, and it's only been nine months because we moved it from March to January. Right. And right. so now its new home is, is January 1st or 7th. But it, it's a great question because just with our 16 ambassadors we have around the nation, the impact that we've had that we hear about so far is that legislators are. And our ambassadors are, are talking to our legislators about creating a national Women's Money Week programming in their state and getting a bill that recognizes National Women's Money Week in their state so that the mayors and the legislators can get around the campaign and do things in their community. In one state, a few mayors are getting together because they have a, a high poverty rate in those in their cities, and they want to do something about it. So they're getting together with their ambassador as a collective group of mayors to talk about how Women's Money and Women's Money Week can help support the women in their community and reduce poverty in their community. Prior to Women's Money Week, we've we have done some things to help reduce regulations that made it hard for women to to get out of the system. And it is a state-by-state state kind of thing, right? States have their own kind of uh, rules and regulations on support sometimes. States and communities are where people go to to get resources. So we're starting there. We're starting local and um, to make an impact because that's where it really makes a more immediate difference for women. That's where women go. They go to their local communities first. They don't always go to the federal government first. Makes sense. So, yeah. So we have seen baby steps 
in impact just in the last two months. That's amazing. So, yeah, I foresee that 2017 will have a long-lasting impact. The awareness, the campaign, National Women's Money Week, January 1st through 7th, is sort of just the launching pad of a longer, broader conversation that lasts throughout the years. It's sort of the reminder, uh, like, let's start a new year fresh. Let's start a new year with the idea of financial resiliency in mind. Let's do something for ourselves and our community and our family. Because especially when you really realize women are strong influencers. And when you help a woman, you help a family. When you help a family, you help a community. And I think that's where Women's Money Week really can make an impact is helping women and mobilizing them to help their family and mobilizing that ripple effect to influence the community and see where change in their local community can happen. Absolutely. And I absolutely love what you're doing, what you've accomplished. Because it's, it, of course, you know, I'm in this, in this realm too, in this area. I don't work with the legislators. I don't work on that big level, but I love, absolutely love what you are about, what you stand for, what you've done, what you've currently doing. So I really want to commend you on that, Gina, because it's just fantastic work that you're doing. Now, I really, really appreciate you being here, Gina, and we're going to wrap it up because I always end with asking you, how would you finish this phrase? Because with this podcast, it's all about making money simple and taking control of it. So how would you finish Her Money Matters Because? She's worth it. Love it. Love it. So this has been fantastic, Gina. I really, really appreciate you being here. I've learned so much from you. Uh, You're definitely a force to be reckoned with. And I'm really loving supporting you in Women's Money Week. Thank you. I am so grateful and honored that you were involved. you enjoyed getting to know Gina today. She is definitely a wealth of knowledge, uh, lots of information that she had, statistics that I wasn't even aware of. So I wanted to make sure that you can check out more about women's money, what all they do. They provide a lot of services uh, as a nonprofit at over at womensmoney.org. Now, I also wanted to make sure that you knew, especially if you are listening to this the day that is published. In other words, if you are listening to this on January 5th, 2017, I wanted to make sure that you knew of a couple of things. So today, Thursday, January 5th, at noon Pacific Standard Time, which is 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, there is a Twitter chat that Wise Bread is hosting specifically for Women's Money Week. So if you love Twitter, have a Twitter account, make sure that you join that. Now, you can check out the link on how to join that if you go to today's show notes at jenhemphill.com forward slash 83, or you can go directly to Wise Bread's uh, website or go on Twitter and look up Wisebread if you're not already following them. So I wanted to make sure that you uh, are aware of that so you can join in the conversation because I am sure it'll be a lot of fun. Now, also, the other thing that I wanted you to be aware of is that Women's Money is giving away free daily action kits 
uh, that you can get over at their site at womensmoney.org forward slash Women's Money Week. That link, I'll also make sure that I include in today's show notes. So don't forget as well, aside from Women's Money Week, (laughs) that if you are serious about transforming your personal finances this year in 2017, and you're ready to invest in yourself, feel free to fill out a quick form over at jenhemphill.com forward slash ready. And then don't forget to send me that quick email at jenhemphill.com to let me know you did it. And I'll be sure to get in touch with you uh, based on what you mentioned in the form to see what is the best option for you. So that is a wrap. And next week on the podcast, we will be talking to a super interesting woman. Her name is PJ Jonas, and she is actually a goat wrangler. Yes, you heard me right. A goat wrangler, mother of eight and entrepreneur. So there is definitely a lot of nuggets that you will get from her. So I want to thank Gina today for joining us, for sharing her story, for sharing all her knowledge or a lot of knowledge that she shared. I'm sure there's a lot more knowledge where that came from, but she shared a whole lot of knowledge with us. And uh, you can make sure that you can check out all the links that I mentioned on today's episode over at jenhemphill.com forward slash 83. So thanks again for joining me and we'll talk to you again next Thursday. 